everyone to Odd Podcast, the Microsoft Podcast, where we talk about Microsoft stuff on a podcast. I'm your host today, Kareem Anderson, and I'm joined by David Allen. I'm the fun one, but I don't know how much fun we've got this week. Got a lot of good tech <laughs> stuff to talk about. Yeah, with that being said, let's jump into our opening discussion where we'll be talking about Microsoft hitting the reset button on 343 Studios. While many speculated that Microsoft would soon take 343 Industries behind the proverbial woodshed and kind of finish the job of what they started two weeks ago when they gutted the entire uh, studio, it seems like a new report is offering a bit of positivity to that story. And this report's coming from Bloomberg. Uh, according to Bloomberg, Microsoft plans to keep making new games in the popular Halo franchise, and those games will be coming from 343 Studios, surprisingly. Uh, in a recent interview, uh, head of Xbox Game Studios, Matt Booty, uh, reiterated a similar sentiment about Halo staying a 343 Industries development. Uh, three, four, quote, 343 will continue as the internal developer for Halo and as the home of Halo. Now, you might be saying, like, oh, that doesn't mean that they'll be making it quite yet, you know, um, Quite as much, but we got a secondary report, uh, and I think it's from the folks over at Windows Central. I believe the author's name is Brendan Lowry, who uh, this this report came out probably within hours, maybe a day or so of uh, what we initially reported about 343 Studios still uh, being the home of Halo. Uh, that notably, Halo is moving to Epic Games Unreal Engine. So if you were thinking like, oh, you know, maybe they will farm it out or anything like that it seems like they're just adopting 343 i mean they're adopting unreal engine uh sources familiar with halo infinite's development have reported that the engine slip space uh caused many issues, and that's their own internal game engine game development engine slip space has caused many issues for developers due to its aging code and i think this thing was made back in 99 if i'm not mistaken maybe early 2000 uh and so it's about 20 years or so uh this includes the delays of multiplayer modes like extraction and assault which i believe are not on halo infinite but have been in other ones prior before which is kind of weird the first project built on unreal will be project Tana uh Ta tanaka yeah i think that's how you pronounce it a code name uh game being developed by both 343 and certain affinity i think we wrote stories about them about four or five months ago uh, and how they're coming aboard They've kind of been an internal or a contracting developer for uh, Microsoft for a while, but now they're coming on board to kind of really flush some stuff out. Originally, Tanaka was believed to be a battle royale mode for Halo Infinite. Uh, 343 has also paused activity development of campaign story uh, content for the time being, so you won't be getting any additional stuff for Halo Infinite, I believe. Developers were prototyping and pitching new Unreal-based Halo projects. Uh, they've been doing this for about six months or so, but many of those projects have been cut because you know, they just don't have the staff right now. So what do you think about all this? You know, uh, Halo has, you know, that that's what made Xbox. When you say Xbox, you think Halo. When you say Halo, you think Xbox. And it, it was a great thing when they gave us Halo Infinite basically for free here, you know, when it first came out. And, you know, there was the big announcement there in the studio and there was talk of, you know, of all the great things that they plan to do, and some of those things have come true. But I think, as you mentioned internally, they have really hit some roadblocks into what they're able to do and how quick they're able to turn some of this stuff around. So I think we have reached the point where they've got to do something. The Unreal Engine, from my understanding, I'm not a developer, folks, is almost like a plug-and-play type thing where you can make changes quickly, 
the framework to do everything is there. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. And like you said, the the existing engine is many years old. So I think if fans can get through this lull of not having any content, maybe not having as many updates, I think Halo's got a good upside. And I think that's something Microsoft and Xbox need. I mean, they, they've been making some good announcements about things coming, but I don't think they are still getting the pop from Halo Infinite that they had hoped. Yeah, um, I, I agree with everything you just said there. Um, I think we should note that um, for those of you who are like, oh, this you know should be an easy transition, uh, we have to keep in mind that people who have been working on Halo have been working with slip, uh, slip Space for 20 years. So it's like, you know, it's the equivalent of someone moving from Windows to Mac or vice versa. So uh, as much as we say it's plug and play, it is going to be difficult for them, uh, especially since I don't True. think they're going to be hiring new developers who have been using Unreal for quite some time. Uh, to come aboard and teach everybody. So you're going to have to have this learning curve where we're teaching the slip space developers how to use something, you know, unless they've been doing it, you know, in their private time, which you know, is very well uh, a possibility. These people will have to learn Unreal as well. So, I mean, don't, I mean, I said all this to say, we're probably not going to expect another Halo game for quite some time. And who knows what the first person shooter world will be like by that point. Uh, it'll be, you know, Microsoft, may try and chase Fortnite, uh, but I don't believe that's the style that Halo needs. Uh, Call of Duty is turning out stuff, but you know, people who play Call of Duty play it for a reason. They don't play it, uh, they don't want Halo to be like that, and, and I would think vice versa. So uh, Halo's gonna have to figure out where the franchise moves thematically, as far as the story's concerned, uh, and the aesthetics of the gameplay. Um, you know, like I said, we you know five years from now, who knows what a first-person shooter is like? If they even want to do that, they may do third-person over-the-shoulder kind of thing, or you know something else to to, to reinvigorate the franchise because um, plushing out another you know a cartoonish Halo game be in the books. That may not be the reason why it's not selling. Um, aside from that, but we will keep an eye on it. Uh, Halo isn't dead. They were through studios isn't gone despite being you know a skeleton crew as of right now microsoft seems committed to it so uh we at least have that uh on our on our uh promise sheet now again like you said microsoft has promised before this halo infinite game was supposed to be the jump start so let's just hope the next time they say you know this is our jump start it actually is and with you know unreal engine being uh you know a community tool it should be easier to push out updates and keep keep pace with everybody else well, I, I think you brought up a good point there. You know, this is kind of nostalgic for me because when I first got the first original Xbox, um, I had a review unit and there was a copy of Halo in the box. You know, this title that, you know, we didn't have Xbox Live yet. The Xbox was just a standalone console at that point. So you had this title in the box that you had really heard very little about because internet access was somewhat limited you know for some folks then and it's a little worrisome too because it's one of those things like you said the generation gaps change what gaming is when i was a gamer when i was a kid we played sports games we played madden we played nba live you know, we played, I forget the name of whatever baseball game was out at the MLB. time. The yeah, MLB. 
Well, by the time, you know, and then this thing, shoot, you know, shooters came along. We had GoldenEye, which was recently, <laughs> I'll throw this in there, which was, you know, re- recently released for, in, in Game Pass for, I believe it's just the campaign mode, though. There's no online play. And then this thing called Call of Duty came along, and, you know, who knows what the next generation wants. You know, I watch what's my what what my nieces and nephews play, and they're playing Minecraft like you in Fortnite, like you said. So, to some degree, they're going to follow whatever the generation wants. Bottom line is, Kareem, we're getting old. We might not get many more first-person shooters. <laughs> uh, yeah, like you said, we'll keep an eye on it. But uh, rest assured, people, that Microsoft says that Halo will be going forward. Just, you know, we're going to be probably having another big gap. Uh, with that being said, let's jump into our headlines and get on with other news that isn't uh, Halo. Uh, what do you got for us? Well, been a lot of talk about it, folks, and we're going to talk about it one more time. Open AI and chat GPT. This thing that keeps taking technology by storm, and I think everybody is interested to see where it's going to go. Well, as we have talked about in the past, Microsoft made a big investment in the ChatGPT, and that investment is already starting to pay off. Now, you can get Microsoft Teams Premium. It's shipping with OpenAI and GPT 3.5. So Microsoft says, look, we, we've spent our money. We're putting it in our product. So to make a long story short, so we don't bore you with more of this great jet chat GPT information, you can you have to have the Microsoft Teams premium membership. And Microsoft is kicking it off with a $7 per month special. And it will be later after the initial deal, if you will, it will jump up to $10. And it's basically making your Meetings more intelligent, helping you organize your tasks. You have customized timeline markers. You have media meeting templates. You have watermarks. I've not used this yet. I'm interested to see how this will change meetings. I, I envision, you know, something like Chat GPT possibly taking notes, as mentioned. You know, taking notes while you're having your meeting, and when your meeting is over with, you get this, maybe you get this nice, hey, here's a recap of your meeting, here's your timeline, it puts your watermark in for you. May cut down on some post-production for some folks, too. Yeah, I agree. Um, There's a ton of possibilities. Uh, Like you said, as far as the uh, meeting transcripts, it could also do kind of contextual uh, media inserts essentially you know if you're talking about a, a slide deck in a, in a somewhere in the note uh, like you said the footnotes could uh, have that included so people aren't searching or having to email after the meeting like oh here's the follow-up to what we talked about or here is you know the slide deck that I presented you know once you open the transcript you will have all that stuff inserted throughout the whole thing it's it's a possibility uh, I'm excited for it uh, I will skip my first headline because it was back-to-back chat so let's jump into something else uh, i got microsoft edge uh, will let uh, people launch pwas directly from the address bar it's a really cool new feature they're trying out and this is part of i believe their push for the 
I guess, Edge 2.0, whatever this new version that they're calling it. But Microsoft is currently testing a new feature in the browser. Uh, the feature will allow users to open up PWAs directly from the address bar. Uh, this was found by, uh, I think his name is uh, Leo Piva, L-E-O-P-E-V-A 64-2 on Reddit. Uh, if you have a website installed as an app on your device, Edge suggestion dropdowns list this in the address bar. Uh, will not feature an option that will let you open the site in the app. So say you uh, make Reddit your PWA uh, and you get a link from a friend, from a coworker, or whatever that says, hey, check this out on Reddit. Uh, when you type that URL the, into the uh, or you type the address into the URL, it will now have a suggestion to open it straight from the app instead of opening up another web page. So again, it's just, just making things seem a little bit more native and cohesive altogether uh, and a little less redundant because you know Windows has kind of been known to do stuff like that. The feature is currently available uh, to users using the Canary version of the browser. So if you have the dev or beta, run out and grab the Canary. Aside from the new capability, Canary users also have access to the new install app uh, buttons in the address bar which is in place uh, to facilitate quick installation of WebS, as a lot of us already know. So um, again, Edge is just getting beefier and hopefully making, like I said, the Windows operating system seem more cohesive. I'm a fan. Um, you know, we mentioned last week and had a few chuckles that I have used that other browser for <laughs> yeah. many years. And, you know, in the last couple of weeks, I have started to make the transition to using edge full-time and edge is a little different i think you know you're starting to see that cohesiveness you're starting to feel it and i think this is just the next step because there are still some pwas out there i know uh, i'll say it google chrome does it with their services if for example you open youtube or open youtube music you'll get the little notification that says do you want to install the youtube music app or the youtube app so i think i think this is a good move i'm excited for what edge is doing i admit don't call me a new user but i would say yes i am somewhat of a seasoned user in that that i have just now started putting it in my daily workflow and edge is different i, I i'm a fan of what microsoft is doing and for once it finally feels like it's part of the operating system and not an app on top of an operating system. Well, yeah, to everyone's point, I, I know that uh, we have fellow journalists like Paul Throt and others who complain with, you know, for good, with good reason about the bulkiness of Edge, the additions of Edge. And, you know, to them, I say they have valid arguments. Uh, I do see this as Microsoft's effort, slow and quiet effort, to replicate Chrome OS. They're, yes. they're, Edge is becoming the operating system for Windows, the OS itself. Uh, they're extracting a lot of all that spaghetti code to run Windows and putting feature sets into into Edge as an effort to, you know, essentially at some point say, hey, Edge OS is going to be, you know, you've been using it on you've been using it on Windows. Now we're just going to take the Windows part out and let you just do all the stuff with Edge. Edge opens up your PDOVAs. It's a it's a launcher. Uh, it's a PDF reader. It's uh, you can draw on it. You can you know you can do all these things. You can launch uh, uh, or you can start running Office through it. You can do all these things that you could have done on Windows, but now you just do it with Edge, and it allows us to now build our uh, you know to have partnerships with Intel and everybody else, uh, Qualcomm specifically, 
to run Edge OS with all without all the legacy of Windows. We're going to run thinner devices across multiple platforms. You know, you already have Edge on smartphones. You can have it on tablets. You can have it on PCs. You can have it in uh, in more thin clients. So again, this my idea is that whatever this Edge 2.0 is that they're trying to push forward and they're packing all these things into it and people are complaining about it, just see it as them slowly building out the OS and mo moving everything from Windows into Edge. Couldn't agree more. You hit the nail on the head for what I have been thinking about for a little while now. You know, we've had, you know, Windows 11, 2022, there's talk of Windows 12, and then there's, you know, a little rumblings of, what goes beyond Windows 12? And I think, you know, whether it's Edge OS or whether it's something else, think about what we do, business and consumer, every day. Everything we do is based around information, connectivity, and having access to that information and interacting with that information. You know, love it or hate it, that's the world we live in. And you know, I hate to say it, Chrome OS does a decent job. Decent, I didn't say good. That they, they do a decent job of wrapping it all together inside of an operating system. And, you know, there's people like Paul, love you, Paul, but I think putting everything in the browser is eventually where we're headed. You know, Agreed. where maybe you've, you've got a two-part thing. You have, you know, where you have your Edge OS and then maybe you have your whatever you need for your business, you know, it's off on the side. But I think the majority of what we're going to start doing is going to be right there within the browser. So I think this is a good move. Yeah. Uh, what do you got next for us? Well, speaking of operating systems, can't buy Windows 10 anymore, folks. <laughs> Microsoft has made the move and said, look, if you want Windows 10 too bad, when you go to the Windows 10 page, you basically get sent to the Windows 11 page and said, okay, it's time for you to upgrade. So, you know, it's being forced upon us. And I think this is being forced upon us a little quicker than some of the other versions of windows have and i think people are a little bit upset about it to some degree you can still buy windows 10 licenses from some third-party retailers don't know why you would but um microsoft has basically said you know we've had the deal with the tpm and windows 11 being compatible with older systems i knew this was coming at some point when they tried to smooth it over that hey if your hardware doesn't work with windows 11 or you've got some hardware issues guess what it's time to buy new hardware folks it's time to make that investment and i don't think it's coincidence we saw all the financial reports last week of you know sales are down microsoft comes out right after earnings and says look windows 10 is no longer for sale if it doesn't work on, you know, if Windows 11 doesn't work on your PC, it's time to go buy a new one. I don't think that's coincidence. Software vendors and hardware vendors work together. Yeah, well, for those of you who are upset about this, there is a bit of a silver lining in my next story. Uh, you can get something that works across all operating systems from Windows, I believe, 8 till now. Uh, and that's Bing. 
And Bing is about to get infused with, that's right, our latest friend, ChatGPT4. Uh, Microsoft is moving fast with this planned integration of OpenAI's ChatGPT, uh, which, you know, is the AI chatbot that everyone's been raving about. Um, and they've been putting it in stuff this week, or at least they've announced that they put it in stuff. They've probably been working on it for, for months now, but we're getting in things like uh, Word, I believe, Outlook, uh, Azure. Uh, we're getting into some other things, but we'll be getting it in Bing uh, potentially soon. Uh, ChatGPT-4 is a faster variant of ChatGPT, which is, I guess, you know, version four of what used to be three, uh, which can take minutes to craft a response. Uh, Microsoft is using the supercomputer to announce uh, Supercomputer announced back in May of 2020 to power ChatGPT. So that's how we're going to be getting, you know, these new uh, quantum sized data sets. Uh, quote, the supercomputer Microsoft and OpenAI built had uh, 285,000 CPU cores and 10,000 GPUs, each with 400 gigabytes per second of network connectivity. The rest to capitalize on the genera uh, generative AI craze that OpenAI and Microsoft started has made it hard for some companies to get their hands on NVIDIA's latest graphics processors, the H100 Tensor Core GPU, that is specifically designed to run transformers like those using in GPT. Uh, they found one for, for sale uh, relatively somewhere. Uh, this just kind of shows how important uh, AI is becoming for a lot of people. Um, late last night, I believe Windows Central uh, found um, kind of, uh, they have a GIF, I guess they found a working version of what I'm talking about as far as being, being placed into it. And it looks like it's going to be positioned in windows as spotlight is on, I believe, uh, Mac OS or whatever. Wow. Uh, so I will see if I can grab a graphic to put across here, but basically, uh, in the middle of your desktop, you'll have a little like search bar and it will have contextual searches based on natural language. Uh, and this will be built into being going forward, which is part of the reason why Google is having, I believe, uh, a special announcement next week, is it, or something like that, about their yep, new I, AI investment as well. I put something up on the site um, yesterday about that, and um, Google's worried. Google's worried. Um, they're having an announcement, I believe it's Tuesday. Don't quote me on that. I don't have it here in front of me, but I believe it's Tuesday. They're doing it in Paris. And they're basically saying, look, we're going to show you everything that we have done with AI already. For example, Google Translate. They're, you know, they do some AI work with Google Photos. And they're saying they're going to announce a naming convention for whatever they're chat gpt open ai competitor is going to be and it's a little bit of a secret event i did see that you know invitations to some media members have already gone out they went out as recent as thursday afternoon so i think microsoft has really not to beat the dead horse guys but i think microsoft has really jumped into this chat gpt and I think we're going to see the way we deal with information change very quickly here in the near future. I think we're going to see a lot of changes this year. And it's just, you know, it's just February. And there'll be some road bumps, folks. I, I, I want to say that. Everybody has talked about ChatGPT. 
you know, we have talked about it. Other websites have talked about it. It has made the news. There's going to be some road bumps. It's not going to be maybe as pretty or as polished at times from a visual perspective. And there's going to be mistakes just like Surrey and, you know, our assistants on our phones were rough when they first started. Chat GPT's got to go through that too. But I think, I think this is the next wave of how we deal with things. There's some good things about it. There's some scary things about it, I think. So we'll just have to see how this plays out. Yeah, I just want to add one more note before we jump to our next story. That uh, sure. it should be noted that Google basically created um, ChatGPT, essentially. Uh, they were the first to uh, come up with these transformers, uh, so to speak. Uh, they have held back on using it in the same way that Bing and Microsoft just planning to use it because of concerns about, I guess, the reliability and validity of ChatGPT. Uh, while it is super useful, it can be very wrong at times. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's Google's cash cow is search. They can't really mess around with it. Uh, to a certain extent, Microsoft is not. So they, they're allowed to, they, I guess they, you know, the, the industry has given them a buffer. You know, Bing has always kind of been laughed at as being the inferior search uh, experience. And as you said, they will be growing pains. And so Microsoft's using this, using this time to let these be the growing pains, let Bing continue to be the second tier search uh, thing while ChatGPT works its way up to being more uh, correct, better, better, better validated in, in its search and stuff like that. And I think this, to your point, is why Google's kind of rushing now. They're, they're saying, you know what, we, we shelved ChatGPT for a while because it wasn't very good. Microsoft's using it and it's going to get better. It's going to get, you know, especially as it, you know, is used more, it's going to get better. We need to have a solution to this. Uh, so. We will keep an eye on the AI wars. What's our next story for you? Well, everybody remember the Microsoft Azure outage the week of January 25th. Boy, that that that, that was a tough morning. Um, our site was affected. There were, you know, if you were, it started in Europe first, because of course, you know, they start our day before we do here in the US. When you got up, for some folks, your OneDrive login wasn't working, your Teams login wasn't working. If you were a government employee, you couldn't even sign in as your government, and the world kind of went into a panic. I know we were in a little bit of a panic on the website because we use Azure services to keep things online for you guys. And guess what, folks? The calls, just a simple router configuration error. I'm not going to go into you know, the, the great details of what what everything, you know, is technically, but data center stopped communicating. The Microsoft Network Ex- Express Route, which is what they call the network between their data centers, it stopped communicating. Basically, it was commands and a misconfiguration on some Microsoft routers. So Microsoft has said they have blocked those commands and have blocked sensitive commands for having the ability to run on the networking equipment to try to keep this from happening again. And they are instituting policies for having certain things done on the network. And they say within two weeks, they're going to have a full report of what happened. You know, 
I kind of wrote something on this yesterday. It's not been published or anything. And I think we have to remember whether it's a small cloud, big cloud, your house or whatever the case may be, technical things happen, human error happens. It's a little more destructive, you know, when you're messing with the Microsoft cloud, but it's part of it, folks, you know. Microsoft has had their issues. Amazon has had their issues. Google has had their issues. It's just part of the world we live in. It's unfortunate. I'm glad to see Microsoft is taking some steps to possibly prevent these things from happening again. But this time was Microsoft's time. Microsoft's turn. Next time it may be one of the other big cloud providers, but it's just part of it. Hate it happened. Scared us. Scared a lot of people. And I'm sure if you were a government employee and you can't access Azure government, there were some red flags flying through the air, but just part of it. Just glad to see Microsoft being as transparent as possible about it. Yeah, um, I get, I mean, you basically summed up that story very well. Uh, I'm going to go on to our last one. Uh, it's kind of a bit of a downer. Uh, if you're an E3 fan, uh, specifically, you know, someone who is an indie developer looking to toss out a bunch of swag. Uh, Xbox, Nintendo, and Sony will be skipping E3 2023. Um, E3 was, I believe, kind of in some rocky roads going into the pandemic. Uh, everything kind of went virtual. E3 di- dissipated as a convention with people uh, showing up to it physically. Uh, now that the pandemic is in its post-pandemic phase, E3 was looking to come back and kind of return with that rejuvenance of, let's all get together, talk about games, play games, sell games, and do all game related things. And, you know, um, they were hoping uh, that one of the last big three would still be there to help them do this. Now we know that Nintendo dropped out of E3 back in 2018, I believe, 2018, 2019. Sony did the same following year uh, and they've, you know, Microsoft has kind of hung on and been there uh, in the wake of those two uh, big uh, companies leaving. Now that it has had its own, you know, direct developer conference and it's been, you know, kind of pushing out uh, announcements uh, virtually, uh, it looks like they've decided not to attend this year as well. Uh, The news comes as a blow to the expo, which was hoping to reclaim its prominence. E3 has historically been the gaming industry's biggest showcase event. Uh, E3 will return to Los Angeles Convention Center this June, just not with Sony uh xbox nintendo headlining any of the events uh, i don't even know if they'll have booths or what they'll be doing quote uh we will pick our time uh, i mean sorry xbox recently announced that its annual summer showcase event would also return to los angeles which is kind of a stab in the back i suppose um and it believes that the xbox summer showcase will happen alongside but not part of e3 so maybe a week before week after maybe two days after kind of rolling into it so that people were there to 883 could still go and 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 be a part of the Microsoft event as well. It's just, you know, it's probably, you know, financially beneficial for Microsoft to host a smaller thing to, than to rent space at E3 or whatnot. Microsoft said, quote, we will pick our time for our showcase specifically so that we're there. E3 is just, you know, and I think Phil Spitz is saying this to me, just one of the seminal moments of gaming. I love the I love the history of going down to LA, thousands of people there, getting to see great new games, getting to see new people in the industry, the fans, the events we've all had. I definitely want that to continue. Uh, the Xbox Summer Showcase announcement came on the heels of last week's Xbox and Bethesda's Developer Direct event. Uh, the first showcase uh, for Xbox, the Devel- Developer Direct, uh, was, by all accounts, a pretty good 
success. So again, we expect to see this, you know, kind of going forward, which is part of the reason why we won't be seeing them at E3. So suffice to say, E3 is going to be headlining challenged uh, coming up soon. What do you think? I gotta be blunt about this. I think this stinks. Uh, you know, gaming is about the gamers. And E3 was basically the one place where Microsoft, Nintendo, Sony could go and gamers could interact with the stars, the developers, the people that make these games happen. And there was that relationship there. There was that one-on-one -on -one relationship to where you could actually go possibly speak to someone that works on your favorite game. You could give feedback. You could participate in things. And I think that aspect of the gaming industry is very important. I think that's what keeps people engaged. I mean, for me, this time of year, you know, before the pandemic, I was already looking at the calendar. I was already seeing, you know, first week of June, E3's coming. And you would start seeing the information leak out. You'd start seeing the trailers and you'd start seeing what's coming. And you, it would almost be like a competition. You know, Microsoft a lot of times would open the event. Well, what's Microsoft got to say? And you could have a place, even if you were doing it virtually, where you could sit down. This is what Microsoft's up to. Then, you know, Sony would have theirs. Nintendo would have theirs. No specific order here, guys. And then, you know, your smaller studios, your Ubisofts, they would, you know, have little individual announcements. But you could still go to Las Vegas and interact. You could get your swag. You could get your T-shirts, your koozies, your mugs. I'm not sure this is a good move. You, you've, you've took the gamer out of it. Some gamers just aren't going to sit down like we're doing here and do, you know, and, and watch something virtually. I think the industry needs that interaction. If it's not E3, fine. Let's come up with something else. You know, let's let's do something where all of our game makers are together or are participating in some way where people can interact. I don't want to necessarily have to pick. Is Microsoft going to have an event over here? Sony's going to have an event over here? Nintendo's going to have a event over here? Do I have to pay for three trips now? No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to have to pick. And I don't think, I don't think the vendors want us picking either. Because Sony, well, if we go to Microsoft, Sony's upset. They should have come here. I don't think this is a long-term good move. Maybe there's a plan for, you know, some other type of E3. Maybe E3 reinvents itself a little bit after this year. Maybe Microsoft, when they get done with Activision, says, okay, we'll go back. I think that's playing into it. Microsoft's kind of laying low with all these shots they're taking about the Activision Blizzard merger. It may just be, Okay, Microsoft backed out. Well, Sony and Nintendo followed. We don't know who come first. So maybe E3 comes back. Maybe it reinvents. But I think we got to have something here. This 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 kind of bothers me. Uh, yeah, I can understand the uh, personal attachment to the event. Uh, I used to love going to it when I lived in California. It was awesome. 
But I also do believe that uh, things have changed specifically in media uh, and uh, the way that games or consoles and things are announced. Uh, this move is particularly beneficial to Microsoft. It has been beneficial for Nintendo and some others um, because I think if we all remember vividly, for those of us who are a bit older gamers, and I say that being you know 10 years or so, uh, this back and forth between Sony and Microsoft was not. Uh, Microsoft came out and you know you waited all year for these announcements and when you messed them up, that was your generation. Uh, now if you mess up in, in a, an announcement three months later, you can have a different one to kind of backpedal what mm -hmm. you said. And it's been helping Microsoft because it's been putting Sony sort of on the defensive. They haven't been able to plan around Microsoft's fumbles, you know, grand year fumbles as they used to. Uh, with Microsoft's announcements, uh, they're, you know, everyone's kind of stuck to doing their own thing. And I also believe it's democratized the narrative of games. So uh, as much as, you know, gamers are embattled, they find their platforms and they, they cheer for them, things like that. The idea of a, of a trailer uh, of an, a gameplay announcement is now shared all at once. There are no gatekeepers. There are no events to kind of jade that information once it reaches the mass audience. So we used to go to E3, we'd see a trailer. Uh, you and I come back saying it was garbage and we write about it. And by the first the first instance anyone else has had about this, they've already you know, ingested our narrative. Of you go to YouTube and watch it the same minute everyone else does and you develop your own thoughts you go to your other platforms like messenger twitter uh whatsapp whatever and you all have your discussions about it discord things like that and it bubbles up in the zeitgeist versus uh, people who couldn't afford uh people with uh, disabilities who couldn't get to the events now they are being part they're being brought in the event in their living room on their 70h tvs uh and and being you know kind of front row center uh, than what they used to be, you know. Uh, so again, I think it has its ups and downs as far as that. I don't think anyone's ever going to go back. We are also seeing Apple and kind of tailor the way they do their announcements. Samsung's tailoring the way they do these announcements. You know, the idea of getting thousands of people into a room to tell them the news, renting, you know, catering, renting, licensing, all these things to, to get the event up and going. Uh, you can spend that time and money, hopefully, on the project itself versus marketing the project. So uh, I think... Like you said, E3 is going to have to figure out a new way. Uh, maybe they do something more indie-ish. Uh, maybe they spread it out over several events throughout the year. Maybe we just don't do, you know, and all the games that one month. Maybe they do like Microsoft and Sony and Nintendo, the rest of them do, you know, three events throughout the year for indie developers and, and do it around the world, you know, take it out of LA, go to France, go to Barcelona, you know, stuff like that. Uh, who knows? But uh, times are changing. <laughs> times are definitely changing and you know like you said times are changing media is changing you know we're doing we're doing a podcast here virtually and it's hard to imagine you know thousands of people being able to interact virtually and have any of their information seen because you would basically get you, you would think you would basically get scroll shock, you know, everything would be, you know, and then you've got to deal with moderators to keep all the, you know, things that don't belong out. So there's something to think about there that, that there may be some way virtually where, you know, fans can interact. Maybe you do like a, I'm just throwing this out there. Maybe you buy a pass of some sort 
and you get a chance to interact maybe you win the opportunity to interact maybe it's a contest because even when you like you said even when you go to what we used to call big bad e3 not everybody made it to interact with somebody at somebody's booth so maybe you have a way where fans can register for the opportunity or win something or the old Mountain Dew prizes come back. You know, even those were popular during E3. You would always see, you know, marketing, the marketing engine would kick up. So kind of like chat GPT gaming right now is going through a transition hour. The way we deal with information is going through a transition. This is the transition year. We talked about it you know during the pandemic oh we're just pushing forward bumping the specs well here it is folks we've we're seeing a lot of transitions on a lot of fronts i think you know we're we're headed somewhere different strap in hold on well the two of us are headed to the rest of our day uh, i want to thank everyone for joining us uh it's been uh, another great week i love uh co-hosting with you david uh where can people find you Find me, David PAJ1978. That's on Twitter. I check it pretty regularly, so drop by there, leave a note. Tell me I need to do something better. Tell me I've done a good job. Tell me something stinks. It's okay. I can take it. Yeah, you can find me at MindHit1 on Twitter as well. Don't tell me any of that stuff because I can't, so just whatever you're going <laughs> to tell me, tell him. Um, uh, again, thank you everybody for joining us. Uh, go and enjoy the rest of your weekend and uh, play video games. Uh, maybe the more you play, maybe the more events we'll have. Thank you. <laughs>